Hello and welcome back to the Ebby Online podcast. My name is Eben Felicity Hargrave and this week I'm joined by Peter Judiharjo, a behavioural scientist and psychology expert. We will be speaking about the science of dating apps and if you know me, you know I love psychology. And I knew Peter was the right person to talk to as I started questioning why is too much choice a bad thing? I have friends in happy long-term relationships from dating apps. I also know that they can be a great way to connect with people that you would usually miss the opportunity to ever come across in your day-to-day life. And I also have male friends who are successful on these apps, top of the totem pole, able to date a multitude of women at the same time. But they have all confessed to me privately that they they want more than meaningless hookups. In this episode, me and Peter discuss catching feelings in the brain science behind the spark. If dating apps enable rebound and hookup culture, why the grass is always greener on the other side, why you're addicted to swiping. With so many options, people find it so hard to choose at all. And according to some UK statistics from YouGov, people in their late 20s are more likely than any other age group to have regular sex, with 43% of 25 to 29-year-olds having sex in a typical week more than twice. The UK dating app market also contributes to 11.7 billion of the UK economy. 25 to 29-year-olds are most likely to meet a partner on a dating app, whilst 18% of the couples in the study met their present or most recent partner through work. Keep listening to find out if dating apps are changing the way that we socialise and mate and what impact this could have on our future generations. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. We have uh, two things that I do. Um, My day job is I work as a behavioural science consultant at a company called Ogilvy. So we're one of the biggest you know, consultancies in the world, one of the biggest creative agencies in the world. And I work in what's called the behavioral science practice, where we use social psychology to help businesses and organizations achieve their goals. So we understand what really motivates people, what really drives them, what really affects um, basically why they do what they do. And we use that knowledge to, to help companies um, to better make, to make better business decisions, basically. And that's my day job. And then Uh, On my spare time, I run a YouTube channel about behavioral science. So it's all kind of related to each other. And again, it's all about the social psychology, about how brands and companies and products that we use are affecting our brains and are affecting our decision making. So I talk about that on the internet. I have a few thousand subscribers. Um, Yeah, so that's that's me. I'm 23. If you're wondering how old I am. Oh, you are really young. (laughs) <laughs> I'm much younger than people realize yeah yeah um, I can't tell because you don't look old in your face which is obviously a good thing <laughs> so I, I honestly couldn't put a number on it <laughs> give me some of what you're having anyway I was just thinking to myself like I don't feel like dating apps work right. and I've noticed that the the aim of the game is many say is to like delete the app but no one ever does Hin says it's designed to be deleted um but I don't 
I don't think it ever gets deleted. Why would you design a business that way? Isn't that misleading? I think it's absolutely misleading. And you've, you've spotted uh, exactly the, the flaw in the message that they're trying to say, right? What they say and what they do is very different. And the whole design of these dating apps like Tinder and Hinge, et cetera, um, really are there to kind of make you feel like you're making progress towards finding that person, but rarely actually achieving that goal and actually always feeling slightly dissatisfied with whoever you end up with. And that's part of the design of the app. Do you know what the dissatisfaction thing I found to be true? And I'm kind of glad you are 23 years old because there are some questions that I want to ask you to do with men and dating. Because I've seen studies that say um, one thing and then another thing. They say that, oh, men in their 20s are not having as much sex as people would think. And then there are other sources that say that men on dating apps only a small percentage of them are sleeping with most of the women apparently it's easier to be an average looking woman on a dating app than it is to be an average looking man <laughs> so could you explain that Sorry. yeah absolutely I mean from a from a psychological point of view it's a consistent finding and this won't surprise you or your listeners at all that men focus a lot more on looks when it comes to extremely uh, looks dependent, right? The, the, the most predominant thing that you see on anyone's profile are their photos. People spent a long time you know, deliberating over what photos they want to show, which ones show them in the best light. Um, and that entire medium is very, uh, I would say, you know, appeals to that aspect of male dating psychology in the sense that they really just care about the appearance. If you want to learn more about the details of who that person is and what they do and what they care about, you have to kind of scroll down and find that information. It's not the first thing that you see. So um, yeah, for that reason, I can, I can understand why that kind of pattern of behavior is emerging. And then also I feel like it kind of, I don't want to say it's the cause of like incel culture and men becoming incels, but when I've listened to their channels, that's the reason that they give. A lot of them get really upset when they when they start to date and they go on these apps but on the other hand I would like to know why are people never satisfied and what is the science the brain science behind this yeah so it relates to uh, a behavioral science concept called choice overload right so um let's use something which is a dating to, to sort of bring the example to life let's talk about jam okay so you go to the supermarket and you're trying to buy uh a new jam and you don't know which one do you choose, right? And you go to the aisle and there are like hundreds of different jams that you can choose from, different flavors, different brands. This one has chunks of fruit, this one has smooth fruit. You know, there's so many different variables that you can choose from. And what research in psychology finds is that when people are faced with this choice overload problem, where they have way more choices uh, than they can ever try in a realistic time frame, they end up feeling quite dissatisfied with whatever they choose. So even though, uh, so even though they have like, more options so in theory they should be able to choose something which is like more exact to their taste they actually always have this feeling in the back of their head like but what if there was another one on that shelf that was better and that's kind of the same situation that we have with dating apps right we have an infinite number of choices effectively you know when you go on tinder that swiping motion is is, is endless right there's almost like a there's too many people to date especially if you live in a big city 
Um, so for that reason, we kind of always feel dissatisfied that whoever we end up matching with, whoever we end up going on a date with, there's always this thought in the back of our mind that maybe there's somebody else out there on that app that is better because there are so many people on that app. Do you think then that too much, having too much choice and too much selection is actually hindering us? As wild as think, it, is it, is it, it sounds? Yeah, I definitely think that's one part of the puzzle. Um, you know, I, I mentioned Jam specifically because there's a very famous study in psychology about Jam and they showed that um, when you showed customers less jars of jam so rather than showing them 30 jars you show them only six jars of jam that people were actually more likely to choose one rather than just look at them all and so what that's showing is that when there's less choices available to us we're actually more likely to make a firm decision and go with it um, rather than uh, endlessly you know perusing our options so this is why when i've dated people from hinge I will pop like you I'm a journalist I can't help myself so I may not say certain things obviously I don't want to seem like a psycho but I will see people I've dated and I thought oh okay maybe like you're telling me you're interested in me I'll see them change their location so you're still swiping and then it's very easy I'm very social media savvy I wouldn't want to give too many of my stalker tips away but I can see when somebody on Instagram you know when you you match and you're following each other on on the social media I can see that they're like following new girls and I can see what these girls look like and then it just makes you think maybe I should just carry on looking if they're not taking me seriously because they are continuing to look so I get the whole dissatisfaction thing it's just kind of annoying but then on the other hand I've also dated people that have wanted me to delete the app straight away and I've there also seems to be so many people like in their 20s I'm a couple of years older than you <laughs> um that seem so lonely so if partners are so readily available why isn't anyone choosing to settle is it to do with hookup culture or is it to do with something else? Because I feel like we're dating differently than we did obviously 20 years ago. We have social media and stuff now, but is it affecting us negatively? Why, are, why is there so much loneliness? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I mean, part of it is to do with that dissatisfaction I just mentioned. Um, another part of it is scarcity, right? So we know that in psychology, when things are in scarce supply, when there's, when there's a limited number of them, we value that thing more, right? Just think of when your favorite brand releases a limited edition product, suddenly you value that product so much more, even though objectively it might not be better than the stuff which is available. So in the same way when we're on dating apps, because there are so many people available to us that we could potentially match with, we don't value each individual match as much as I guess, you know, older generations would have. Uh, it's because we're, we're able to have them so frequently which means in practice, when people go on these dates, they're not valuing that experience uh, in the same way. And they're therefore not investing the time and effort that's required to actually uh, you know, settle down and establish those long-term relationships. And when people go on first dates, it's very easy for them to say, there's no spark there, right? And this is something which is written in a really great book, which I recommend called uh, How Not to Die Alone by a lady called Logan Yuri. She's the uh, she's actually the director of relationship science at Hinge, and 
She wrote this book. They and have she their own. Sorry to cut you off. They have their own behavioral science team. You're telling. Yeah, them. yeah, and she's a real expert on behavioral science. She used to work at Google's behavioral science team, and then now she moved over to Hinge. Um, really cool lady. I've interviewed her before, and she she wrote this book, How Not to Die Alone. Um, and she talks about in this book. She calls it "fuck the spark," part of my language. Right. right, you can swear. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. All right. So she says, you know, the spark is really a myth. This idea that you'll meet somebody, you'll go on this first date, you'll have like this super magical experience, and then that will be predictive of a of a successful relationship going forward. When in reality, the spark is just a short term emotional response that might not have even been caused by the person that you're on a date with, right? And, and in psychology, we talk about something called the, the fundamental attribution error, right? It's a technical term for basically saying that we don't really know why we feel a certain way at a certain time, right? So I feel, you know, I feel very happy, uh, you know, imagine I'm on a hypothetical date, I feel really happy on this hypothetical date. I think there's a really good chemistry between me and this person, a really good spark. Uh, and I'm, I'm associating that cause of that feeling with the person I'm on a date with, when in reality, it could just be that he's taken me to a very nice restaurant, we've had a really good meal, and that's what's making me feel good. Or I had a really nice day at work, my people in the office are very nice to me today, and so I'm just in a good mood in general. Or I had really good sleep last night. Or, you know, there are like basically a, a huge number of confounding factors that could be causing the emotion that you have in that moment. And then on the flip side of that, if you feel like there isn't a spark, then that could also be caused by a whole load of confounding factors. It's raining today. I'm hungry. Uh, something at work that was stressing me out. And then we misattribute that emotion with the person that we're on a date with. And that could mean that people who are going on dates with uh, people who they might actually be able to have a long-term relationship with don't go on a second date with that person because of this attribution error, because they think, well, there was no spark there. There was no chemistry there on that first date. But in reality, the reason for that emotion was because of some other factor during the day. So would you say then to give it more time, how many dates would you say to go on? And I have another question as well that I want to ask you. So, <laughs> well, well, you can answer that one first, then I'll answer the next one. But yeah, absolutely. Said, there's just so many bouncing off points. If that makes sense. I think... Uh, I think a good rule of thumb would be, unless the first date is catastrophically awful, go on a second one. And if, if you don't feel anything on the second date, then, you know, there's no need to kind of you know, force yourself through torture. But, uh, you know, a one-time interaction can have so many different, you know, so many different variables that could be changing how you feel on that in that moment, on that day, um, which I think is a good reason for you to assume that a second date might be worth it as long as the first one wasn't completely awful. Second question, with the whole butterflies, you want to have this spark thing, does that, is, is there any truth behind like relationships that are very intense and very passionate that start that way? Do they always burn out quickly then? Or is it better to kind of not have that spark and to just let it build the can do you, do you understand what i'm saying build i do i think i think a good way to think about it is that the the spark and the butterflies is not 
a good predictive measure for whether that person is going to be a, a, a good long-term partner for you, right? So it's lovely if it's there, um, but if it's not there, it's also not the end of the world. So like basically don't pay too much attention to it. Instead, you know, we can, I'm, I, I'm a scientist, so I look at a lot of data. Instead, the things that are more important are like people's personality, how do they uh, respond during difficult situations? You know, how do they respond during an argument? Do you have constructive ways of working together, of being with each other? Do you, uh, you know, how good is that communication? Um, and then also like, just like logistical factors, right? Like, you know, long, things like long distancing put strain on a relationship. And so, um, you know, th these, these more kind of practical, tangible, concrete um, factors are actually going to be better predictors of whether that person's going to be good for you in the long run, as opposed to this, rush of emotion I mean obviously everybody wants <laughs> some emotion in their relationship I'm not saying you know don't just date someone like a robot but basically don't over don't overweight how important that aspect of it is is it would you say that it's better to date multiple people because I know some people did this like 20 years ago but I feel like my parents' generation and people like that would date one person at a time and they didn't have all these apps. With these apps now, it seems like people are not focusing it, focusing on one person. It's more about who can I hook up with? How quickly can I do that? And then how fast can I bounce on to the next? So is there benefits to just, I don't know, having such a wide dating pool? Should we be dating multiple people or should we take it back the... I hate to call it the traditional route but one person at a time yeah it's it's a tough decision to make right um uh this i mean i could i could go on forever on <laughs> on this trade-off between choosing many i mean because this doesn't just apply to dating right this applies to lots of different decisions that we make do you try lots of things uh and, and try and get the best one or do you go with a few and, and double down and what is going to pay off better in the long run um i think when it comes to dating it makes it makes more sense to me to have fewer options in one go and to be trying to like you know seriously have a proper go with every person that you're with rather than going on a new date every single day and, and the reason for that is because there's basically two modes of decision making that people can fall into right one is maximizing and maximizing is about trying to find the absolute best person for you, right? All that's available to you. And if you approach dating and relationships with a maximizing mindset, you will never be satisfied, right? Because the person that you're with could always be 10% hotter, 10% richer, 10% more fashionable, get on with your parents 10% better. And there's always, there'll always be something which you will, some metric which you'll assume will, uh, the perfect person will have that and that person doesn't exist right because as your as your benchmark goes higher and higher um you your what you actually want in the future will also get higher and higher your your standards basically <laughs> keep getting higher and higher uh, to the point where you actually never feel satisfied with the person and yet therefore never settle down and ever actually enjoy the 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 benefits of a long-term relationship um yeah, does that answer your, your I question? I was just about to bounce off of that and ask you about pair bonding because I've heard some things where people say, and I just want to know your opinion on this, if it's, I've heard it with women mostly, but I've heard men on the internet saying, um, a couple of other psychologists say, 
if a woman has had so many partners, it's harder for her to settle down. Could you just explain this premise better than I can? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, one, one thing I can say is that, you know, we, we are creatures of habit, right? And so when we can form habits in, in every aspect of our life and, and for people who have lots of uh, short-term relationships, it's probably the case that they're just chasing that spark over and over again, right? And that's, that's, that's a habitual pattern. It's a mindset change that, that these people need to have. I'm not saying that they can't settle down, they probably can, but it, does, it is harder for them because they do require this mindset change that, um, you know, that intensity that exists right at the beginning of a relationship realistically will die down. And, and in psychology, we have um, good, reasoning for that and it's we call it habituation so in basically what it means is that as we fall into routines with people as the relationship becomes more predictable because we uh, are doing sort of similar things on a regular basis that the emotional response to those interactions will start to uh, diminish over time they'll start to sort of flatten out uh, and what that feels like is the spark is dying a lot of the time and it's not really the case it just means that you're kind of getting used to each other kind of getting used to you know integrating your lives together <clears throat> and <clears throat> and that's why um you know that's why we have that kind of diminishing emotional response and uh when people have a lot of short-term relationships it's because they hate that right they hate the fact that the emotional response starts to wean out over time and what they don't realize is that in order to bring those emotional levels up again, you need to be engaging in um, fresh new things, right? Going on dates that aren't just sitting on the sofa and watching Netflix again, right? But really doing something new together, trying something new. That's why date, date night is so important, right? In long-term relationships, right? Because that's what it is. It's you and your partner in a new environment, in a new context, with a new experience together. And that's what reignites those sparks and, and allows them, you know, for that emotional feeling to come back again. And so um, I think understanding that and understanding that, uh, you know, this natural dying out of the spark is not because that person isn't right for you. It's just the natural thing that our psychology is built to do. That's how our brain works. Um, and that you can reignite that spark through change is a, is a good lesson for people who have lots of short-term relationships to understand. Why are dating apps so addictive? It seems like it's a constant loop or cycle. What's the, the science behind that? Why people are just addicted to swiping? Because I had one friend tell me years ago that he sits on Tinder and just says yes to everyone <laughs> in order to get matches. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not surprised uh, at this behavior. So it's, it relates to a chemical in the brain called dopamine, which you've probably heard of. And uh, dopamine is an extremely powerful uh, hormone which drives habits and, uh, and drives addiction. And basically what dopamine does is it tells your brain that what you're doing right now is really good and that you should do more of whatever you just did to get more dopamine. And so whenever we get a match on Tinder or whatever app you're using, uh, it's a huge dopamine hit, right? It's extremely exciting. Like, oh my goodness, this person that I thought was cool uh, also wants to match with me, right? That's a really big um, emotional 
reward in our brain that releases a lot of dopamine. So then your brain tells you, tells itself, well, I should do more of whatever I just did. And what I just did was swipe. Um, and what we know from psychology is that uncertain rewards, so uh, you know, rewards that are unguaranteed are actually release more dopamine than ones that are certain. If you think about um, a slot machine in Las Vegas, you pull the handle, you don't know whether you're going to win. That uncertainty makes the actual winning feel so much better than if you got a consistent amount of money every time you pull the handle. And Tinder and dating apps very much work on the same mechanism as a slot machine. You can think of swiping on Tinder as cranking the handle on a slot machine. Every time you, every time you swipe yes to somebody, you're cranking the handle on whether that person will match with you. And it, re it releases the same chemical dopamine in your brain uh, to this very high degree. And just like gambling, it becomes addictive, right? Chasing that high of, re of receiving the match uh, becomes an addictive process to the point where we'll just end up swiping for hours and hours and hours, right? And, and the app is designed to make that experience extremely frictionless, right? It's extremely easy for you to swipe. You can pretty much swipe anywhere on the screen. Uh, there's no there's no stopping points in the process, right? It's just uh, it's just an endless scroll of faces of people that might want to date you. And so this experience of swiping constantly is very addictive and delivery so. Would you say that men or women benefit more from apps in your experience? Which which one? Uh, it's, yeah, it's a tough decision uh, to say. I mean, I'd say I know that women find it a lot easier to find matches, right? And part of that is to do with, um, uh, you know, the way that men are just sort of more, more willing to say yes to people and it's to do with choice, right? So like women generally have much more choice than men do. Um, and because they receive more matches, they're able to sort of be more selective with who they go on dates with as opposed to men who, uh, that's why a lot of men, like you said, just swipe yes to everybody hoping for a match because um, yeah, they just, they don't get as many. Uh, and that's just a, a statistical thing to do with demographics on these apps. I have noticed that some people do not take time to get over a bad day or a past relationship and they just go back on the app to boost their self-esteem and patch over the issue. It seems like a constant cycle. So is that to do with, the in, is it instant gratification again? Would that, would that be what you call it? So it kind of helps people boost their self-esteem in a way? Yeah, I think so. I think that's a big part of it, boosting their self-esteem, making people feel better about themselves. Um, but another big part of it is that just anything that's habitual is comforting to us, right? Um, it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the most amazing findings. That's why, that's why people engage in, in rituals as well, right? Like rituals that seem meaningless um, actually make us feel better. They lower our cortisol, our stress levels. They make us feel more relaxed. And, you know, after you go through a tough relationship, engaging back in this, in this very enjoyable habit um, can make us feel more relaxed and feel better about ourselves anyway, in the same way that, you know, eating ice cream and stuff uh, does or watching, binge watching TV shows after a breakup, similar, similar deal. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just very relaxing for us to engage in these very routine behaviors. I have noticed that 
I'm not going to say people don't want to have relationships nowadays, but on apps, it's very much hookup culture. So it's like you have to, I don't want to say you have to, but a lot of men on the app, I feel, are expecting you to sleep with them and then kind of see where it goes. It's very no strings attached. It's very hookup. It's hookup culture. Would you say that this is ruining dating in some way? Because I would love, I'm someone that's very honest and very open. So if someone tells me I want to sleep with you, that's all I want. That's completely fine. I can say no and walk away. But I feel like there are some people that are on certain apps. Like I get people that are like in open relationships or looking for threesomes sometimes reaching out to me and obviously that's not what I want and I'm like fuck off like you're so annoying go away do I feel like sometimes I have good time written on my forehead no joke <laughs> um but do you think hookup culture is really sometimes I'm like I just wish you would get off this app like <laughs> it's really annoying that sounds so rude but would yeah. you say, <laughs> would you say hookup culture is ruining dating I I yeah potentially and I think the apps it promote it right because like I said the uh when you have more choice you value each individual person less and so then it all then it just becomes about how can I get my my quick fix <laughs> um as opposed to really like investing in that relationship and really wanting to be with that person uh long term and, and you know not because of that whole emotional curve thing that I talked about earlier how uh, the start of relationships have a much stronger emotional response than the long ones you know people are just chasing that and, and you know yes uh sex with with novel people with new people is is like always going to have a really high peak uh you know emotional response as opposed to like really investing it you know long term with the same person again and again right um yeah, so that's why people uh chase that repeatedly and that's kind of promoting the hookup culture I think is because they have so much choice and they are actually able to even even if you say no even that there will be someone else who says yes and so exactly. therefore they they're rewarded for their behavior um and what's rewarding people repeat and it, is, it really is as simple as that I always think to myself this is a really weird one okay so I dated someone like three years ago um I did quite like the person at the time but then I don't know. I just felt like we weren't on the same page. They had a lot of life problems. So I kind of cut things off. We stayed friends. And I'm stupid, Peter, because this person had tried to kind of like hook up with me in ways. But then they would also, we would also hang out, go for drinks and stuff as friends. They decided to try and come back into my life um because obviously we're friends but then they tried it on with me again and I said to them look I think you need to be honest and just say what you want here because I'm down for complete friendship nothing I, I don't fancy you anymore I, I don't know I kind of get over people like that um but they told me they just wanted friends with benefits and I think to myself it just seems like a lot of people are chasing chasing that it's like that's how they want want things to be um in the long term in years to come do you feel like it could have an impact on society the way because I feel like things have changed so much in the past 20 years with the rise of online dating and obviously social media 
what what do you predict for the future uh, I, I predict that, and it's kind of already happening, that there will be kind of a, a reactance effect to, to what's going on to hookup culture, right? There's, uh, there are new apps emerging now that do the opposite of Tinder, where they, uh, have you done if you've heard of like Thursdays, for example, yes. where you can only date someone on a Thursday. It's like the opposite, right? Rather than having a choice overload, you have extreme scarcity. Uh, and I think that that's a direct reactance to this culture that you're talking about people are kind of put off by it fed up by it they want something more meaningful and that's what these reverse uh reverse products are offering to them do you want to just shout out your links and um where people can find you on social media and just give people an idea of what what other content they can expect from you next just real quick thank you for your yeah time. no my pleasure i mean uh my channel is called pjudo uh, on YouTube and on TikTok. So if you want to follow me on either of those, go check me out. Peachudo. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Please don't forget to give my podcast a rating and a follow.